Welcome back, everybody. Uh, part two of Older Folks, and I'm in my uh, studio, the largest studio I have, and uh, it's outside. I'm basically in a submarine all week, so what I want to do is sit outside. You'll hear birds. You'll hear the dogs. You'll hear airplanes. You'll hear the incessant lawnmowers uh, in our community. So let's pick it up. All right. CNS. Ch- what? You're right. No music. We got to cue the music. Ah, better. Okay. CNS changes in the disabled elderly. There'll be a little repetition in here. And this is part two of probably three, four, five. I don't know. This is a long one. 90 percent of dependent individuals have some type of a central nervous system problem. Now, dependent means that they're having trouble making it alone. That doesn't mean they're disabled per se, but it means they have to have help to be enabled. And CNS dysfunction, you might as well just uh, go to a dartboard and throw what that means at. Does that mean they have situational depression anxiety? Does that mean they have trouble with cognitive memory, uh, problem solving, trouble with their grooming, toileting, whatever it is? What does it mean? Well, take that number. Remember, 48.7% of statistics are made up right on the spot. And that's one of them. No, it's not true. The disabled don't necessarily have a CNS dysfunction. Not Certainly not 9 out of 10 of them. That's absolutely not true. And nursing homes uh, would be full. All right, here's another statistic. All right, 48% have neurological disease. Okay, what does that mean? You know, these are the type of things you're... You're going to read as you're checking out of the grocery store in a tabloid, or you're going to read it in People magazine, you're going to see in the newspaper, whatever. What neurological disease? What's going on? Who who knows? Um, does that mean peripheral neuropathy? Well, that's very different than somebody that's had a stroke, right? Talk about that in a minute. And neurological disease also can be traumatic you know do they have a traumatic brain injury i don't know it's not defined okay there's another one of those things you just throw away and the point of this is people read stuff but they don't read it discriminatively and especially in the older folks it really bothers them and it shouldn't here's one 20 percent have movement disorders what does that mean Does that mean they have a limp, Uh, SI pain, facet disease, discogenic disease, or they've had a stroke? Movement disorder can mean anything. I have trouble moving my arm, and I have trouble with range of motion sometimes in my neck, but then again, just give it a few minutes when you wake up, and you're fine. You know, what is a movement disorder? I don't know. 16% have dementia. I forget things. You forget things, too. Everybody forgets things. Memory is complex. It has to do with certain parts of the brain that need certain things like sleep, that can't be interfered with drugs or alcohol, that 
has to hit stage four sleep, that blah, blah, blah. We can go on and on. But dementia is implying somebody has Alzheimer's. The last thing somebody wants to hear is uh, that that fateful question in the provider's office, doctor's office, whatever. Uh, how are you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Do you forget where your keys are? That's a classic 1970s line that's got to go away. Yeah, I forget my keys all the time. Most of the time they're in my car. Um, so, yeah, we all have cognitive decline. That's a part of life. But not at uh, the stages that sometimes a comment like this can imply. Yeah, you're 65. You have senior moments. Lose that term, senior moments. Don't say it anywhere. Um, Being a senior is a badge of honor, by the way. You've gone through a lot. You've survived a lot. You're um, full of good life. This is the one that just stops me. 60% of folks are going to have some type of CIA, TIA, whatever you want to call it. That's transient ischemic attacks or strokes. What's the difference? Well, the CIA has nothing to do with medicine. I hear this in my office. I've had a CIA. Um, TIAs are transient ischemic attacks from multiple causes. It means your brain didn't get enough oxygen or didn't get enough energy from the blood cells. Um, You had something happen, and it turned around. Transient means transient. It goes away, and uh, it's kind of a... It's kind of one of those terms I don't like. TIA means so many things to so many people. I've had a stroke. No, it's not a stroke. It's a reversible entity that we just get sometimes. I don't think a lot of people even know when they have it. Uh, TIAs come and go. Uh, They tend to be almost fully reversible, although if you say uh, we can ignore these. You can't. You have to work them up. Where did it come from? A little blood clot? Did it come from uh, vascular occlusion? Where did it come from? And strokes. Well, strokes uh, need their own category. But once again, what is a stroke? A uh, stroke is devastating or it's not. It's one side of the body or it's not. It's a wheelchair and no... Uh, verbal or not. Um, strokes are wastebasket term. So, all right, there you have it. CNS changes in the disabled elderly. Uh, let's show at the door. Neurotransmitter changes. Neurotransmitters are these important uh, mechanisms that make things work, in this case, nerves. There are different types of neurotransmitter uh, changes, okay? The first one is cholinergic, and that tends to decline as we get a little older. Um, Causes dementia. There's that word. No, it causes confusion. Because drugs that deplete the cholinergic activity in the brain cause confusion. They cause uh, memory issues. They cause... um, Situational awareness 
issues, and there's not one way to describe this other than understanding you have to have these neuro uh, chemicals. So what can we do? Well, okay, look again. What is DOPA? Well, we talk about dopamine a lot. And the dopaminergic system is basically part of that uh, primitive part of your brain behind your ear. There's visual number three. Um, And it's uh, a reward pleasure, and it has to do with uh, reinforcement activities. You eat a good steak, you want another steak, all right? You um, have found the heroin uh, train, and you've got to get another fix. You got to get a, it's a reward pleasure system. Cocaine is real big. Methamphetamine is real big. But in the elderly, uh, these kind of declines. So, what you could have had simple pleasure with, you just can't get it anymore because the dopaminergic system is blunted. And, uh, of course, um, when you start looking at Parkinson's and some other um, movement disorders, uh, we want as much dopamine as possible because that directly affects outcome. All right, norepinephrine. Well, that's just what – what's norepinephrine? Epinephrine, everybody thinks they know what epinephrine is. Uh, you know, you watch movies, quick, give them an epinephrine bolus and – you know, their heart comes back and that sort of thing. What norepinephrine is, is it's a variant of epinephrine, which is um, adrenergic. It works on the adrenal system, and it works on sympathetic tone. What sympathetic tone? you got to have sympathetics. Sympathetics make your blood pressure do what it's going to do either go high go low depending if you have too much or too little it uh, is a learning it is uh, stimulating absolutely stimulating it has a lot to do with passing out so if you have a poor sympathetic tone in the norepinephrine systems uh, failures we get a little older or reduction in activity you could have something called orthostasis, or you could have trouble uh, maintaining alertness, maintaining upright posture. You get up, you kind of feel dizzy. you got to sit there a minute. It's really common, and it's, it's okay. This one's okay. Uh, it's not okay if your blood pressure is out of sight. You, you don't want your blood pressure out of sight because of enhanced sympathetic tone. So look at the drugs that can really affect sympathetic tone. Tricyclic antidepressants, for example. That's that's classic. Okay. Serotonin. If we had not heard of serotonin 50 years ago, we have heard it endlessly now. Uh, serotonin has a lot to do with depression. And you hear about these things like the 5-HT1 uh, receptor. You hear about these uh, special areas in the brain. Uh, yeah, that primitive part of the brain. that has a lot to do with mood. Uh, it's not always just depression. It could be mixed uh, depressive disorder. And we think we take a pill... Uh, Prozac-like pill, you've heard of them. They're all out there. 
And the serotonin system uh, responds, and you're all better. Nope, ain't true. Uh, especially in the elderly, uh, 40% of mixed depressive disorders do not respond to serotonin drugs. It's a it's some type of undefined decline in the serotonin system. All right. The acetylcholine receptor. Let me talk just briefly about this because this is a visual. When a nerve, it has to be kind of a big nerve, I'll tell you that, uh, sends out choline. And this is uh, manufactured in the nerve. Acetylcholine or cholineal uh, acid, uh, sorry, choline acid, uh, tra- <laughs> acetyltransfer, sorry. Uh, it, it's acetyl-CoA. just uh, takes that choline and adds, subtracts, and multiplies, making acetylcholine. Um, it goes to little vesicles, and this is called presynaptic. It's the nerve before it gets to somewhere that makes something happen. We talked about 5-HT just a second ago. That would be serotonin hitting the place where something happens. The serotonin came from somewhere presynaptically, hit a receptor, 5-HT1 or others, and it makes things happen. What what happens is intracellularly, uh, it makes things that cause and effect. So the acetylcholine receptor and the effects of the acetylcholine receptor uh, affects ion channels, receptors, uh, second messengers. It's postsynaptic is what it is. It's after the fact. So if you want to th- make things happen, you stop the metabolizing uh, effect of the nerve, uh, acetylcholinesterase, uh, to break down acetylcholine to choline. And choline is then reabsorbed up into the presynaptic area. Um, Or you don't let it work postsynaptically, or you don't let it work on its target, and then you don't get the cellular response. That's how it all works, all right? That's going that's going pretty deep in the weeds, isn't it? It's kind of fun, but it's going into the weeds. So acetylcholine is synthesized in the nerves. These are long nerves. We'll call them neurons. Um, now, dopamine is to only one place that's in the uh, retina. And monoamines, um, we don't need to go into those, uh, but... They're not synthesized in the inner neurons. They come from somewhere else. So when we talk about amines like norepinephrine, adrenaline, all that sort of thing, it comes from somewhere else. Projection cholinergic neurons are in the brain and are very important. They're in the forebrain and the upper brain stem. All right, we're going to get to that. All right, the type, the type of the forebrain that it goes to has names, and it's people that discovered them, and how they discovered them, it goes on and on. But at some of these forebrain structures and some of these nuclei, um, if they degenerate, they cause problems. And one of them is Alzheimer's. 
it requires nerve growth factor. So someday we're going to be able to treat Alzheimer's by getting these nerves to work better. Period. End of story. It has more to do with things like plaque and other things we don't need to talk about. But as we get older, drugs that mess this stuff up matter. Okay? Yep. Including the brainstem. All right. So when we talk about acetylcholine and choline and that sort of thing... It has a lot to do with the personality of pain. That's in the uh, uh, cerebral cortex and um, hippocampus that has to do with learning and memory. But emotion is in the limbic system. That's where the personality of pain lives. All right. So as you have pain as you get older and as you get older, These pathways that come from your spine, that are in your brain, that are everywhere, are wildly interdependent on not only chemicals, but how the chemicals got there. So when you speak of movement, when you speak of memory, you speak of speak, and just sleep even, um, you also think... Well, what else? And the personality of pain is sitting right there. A lot of these pathways go through things that keep you happy, healthy, and moving forward productively with good memory. Some of these chemicals, when they don't exist, they cause problems. And if they're blunted or if they're related to uh, some type of drug that interferes with their activity to work, or changes the way the pathway works, you can have problems. Who has those problems? Mostly the elderly. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Know thy drugs. So when a provider gives you medication or a loved one medication, understand the side effects. You can't go to Google and you can't pull out that monstrously complicated insert. And the things a pharmacy gives patients, I've seen them before and in many different forms, and some of them are just flat frickin' wrong. They're older, they haven't been uh, written well, they haven't been, um, I guess, vetted by peers and the medical community. It takes a village uh, to put these things together to really understand what happens with drugs. You have to have perspectives. The pharmacist, man, they're smart. I'm telling you, pharmacists are really smart. (laughs) The pharmacist's perspective, the provider's perspective, the uh, researcher, uh, the regulatory, they all have to be involved. It isn't one person's perspective. All right. So let's go back to that acetylcholine uh, system. It's got many projections, but importantly, to understand the personality of pain, to understand it affects memory, and to understand how it affects uh, sleep. Go to the liver. Liver size and blood flow, uh, they really decrease after 50 years. Really? I'm not sure that's true. But um, 
again, a little goes a long way. If you're drinking over 60, um, oh, cut it in half, cut it to a third. You just don't have the capacity to throw it off. Hang with the 19-year-old. You'll get it. Now, this thing called first-pass metabolism, a lot of drugs have first-pass metabolism, and that means they don't work till they hit the liver. That's called a pro-drug. So um, you take something as simple as a beta blocker like propranolol. You can have increased blood levels if you have decreased liver blood flow, and it just keeps rising. Uh, how about some of the drugs? Uh, not oxycodone, but hydrocodone, 2D6. 2D6, that's how it's broken down in the liver, to hydromorphone. What is active? Hydromorphone. In oxycodone, what is active? Oxycodone, not oxymorphone, the breakdown. is a little uh, pearl for you. If you're in a pain clinic with me or with um, somebody that's going to and appropriately ask for a urine drug screen, we're not just looking for the drug. <laughs> this is a little thing to know. We look at the metabolites and what's happening. More on that later. Uh, I don't want to uh, take you down a rabbit hole right now. Now, another way to break down drugs is glucuronidation, and that's broken down by something called microsomal enzymes. It doesn't change in the elderly. Okay? All right, keep in mind about the renal system as well because things like morphine, when they're broken down, they're broken down into two different, uh, uh, I guess, friends. One is excitatory and one is analgesic and sedative. That's three and six respectively. You got to know that stuff because uh, a lot of elderly people end up on a patient-controlled analgesic pump where they can give their own drug, um, and, of course, it has lockouts and that sort of thing, for pain uh, after big surgeries or uh, events. And if they're getting morphine, a common drug for patient-controlled analgesia, and they can't get rid of it because they got renal failure, the three starts elevating, and they get some pretty uh, wonky symptoms. I tell you a little story. I'll tell you a story about my wife, Kathy. She, um, when when I was at Yale, she was one of the first people to get a patient-controlled analgesia pump because of. Uh, I'll go into this later, but because uh, we were studying it, uh, Doctor Sinatra, great guy, real big with acute pain. Uh, was a leader in patient-controlled analgesia, got these special pumps, and my wife just had a op- little operation, and um, we happened to have, have a newborn. You can figure that one out. Uh, and she had more and more pain, so she kept pressing the pump. And back in those days, we would rotate with teams and accumulate data on the pump, and she was pushing the button a lot, and everybody's thinking, well, uh, she likes this stuff, man. Whoa, what do we got going here? Maybe this 
PCA has problems. Nope. She had a big-time infection. Okay. So, (laughs) all pain is not simple. All pain cannot be uh, considered part of the judgmental cascade that we all want to go down, including me. Um, So, that's another story for another day. Just understand that simply because somebody has pain and they really are having problems with what you're giving them or if your uh, choice is not correct or whatever the circumstance might be, it's multifactorial. All right. So in the elderly or older folk, the regenerative capacity of the liver is unchanged. And that's a great thing. Okay. So that's a good thing. (laughs) I'm going to go on to part three, starting with the renal system. And we'll get this up for you. But that's important, too. And once again, thanks for coming to us and listening to Pain Information. I hope it's worthwhile. Please, if you would, go to iTunes and rate us. It helps us. Uh, And uh, thanks for finding us. Tell your friends. And I will see you real soon.